You are listening to Reach MD, and I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen. And with me today, it is my pleasure to have Dr. Evelyn Reynolds, board certified in general obstetrics and gynecology, and also board certified in gynecologic oncology. Dr. Reynolds is also an associate professor and division director of gynecologic oncology at Morehouse School of Medicine. Throughout her educational and professional career, she has actively participated in cancer research. Dr. Reynolds has performed extensive research involving the assessment of the treatment patterns of older women diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Dr. Reynolds, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. Ellen. Today we'll be discussing updates on ovarian cancer issues among women in the United States. So, Dr. Reynolds, I'd like you to educate our ReachMD listeners on how prevalent is ovarian cancer in the United States. In the United States, there are about 22,000 cases of ovarian cancer per year. So overall, that translates to a 1.4% risk or about a 1 in 70 chance uh, for women to develop the disease in their lifetime. They talk about ovarian cancer as the silent killer, Dr. Reynolds. Can you talk a little bit more about that? We're actually trying to uh, get away from that term uh, because we have grown to know that there are symptoms. They are very subtle, but there are symptoms that are suggestive of ovarian cancer. And the Gynecologic Cancer Foundation, along with the Ovarian Cancer National Alliance and other organizations have uh, come up with the the BEAT signs. So recognize the signs and beat ovarian cancer, B-E-A-T. So the most common symptoms, the B stands for bloating, that is persistent. E is for eating less and feeling fuller, uh, so just abdominal fullness or um, feeling that you are full after eating small amounts, whereas typically that wasn't the case. A is for abdominal pain, and T is for trouble with your bladder and also to to tell your physician. At what stage is, in your opinion, um, the stage that most ovarian cancers are caught? Probably because of the subtlety of the symptoms, the majority of cases of ovarian cancer are caught in the late stages, so stage three or stage four. Ideally, we would like to identify them early uh, in stage one or two, where the survival rates are uh, much greater. So stage one can be cured over 90% of the time. However, unfortunately, it is most commonly caught in the later stages. Are there any screening tests for ovarian cancer available in the United States? Unfortunately, uh, there is no evidence that uh, routine screening of the general population with uh, either tumor markers uh, such as the CA125 level or with uh, transvaginal ultrasound uh, has proven any benefit, meaning uh, that we can't detect the cancer any earlier um, by doing these routine screening uh, in the general population. Can you, for our ReachMD listeners, briefly discuss the types of ovarian cancer um, that exists? Uh, epithelial ovarian cancer, 
uh, it comprises the majority of the malignant ovarian neoplasms. That comprises uh, approximately 90%. And epithelial ovarian cancer is the one that is the leading cause of death from a GYN malignancy. Additional uh, types of ovarian cancer include the germ cell tumors or the sex cord stromal ovarian cancers. But the epithelial ovarian cancer is the most common. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to ReachMD, and I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen, and I am speaking with Dr. Evelyn Reynolds, Associate Professor and Division Director of Gynecologic Oncology at Morehouse School of Medicine. Dr. Reynolds, can we now move on to what the treatment options are for patients? Ovarian cancer uh, typically needs to be treated with a combination of surgery and chemotherapy. Very few, and this is the epithelial ovarian cancers that I'm concentrating on since that is the most common, very few only need surgery. Those include uh, patients with uh, stage 1 disease, so confined to the ovary and a low-grade tumor. So it's very uncommon uh, that it will not need to be paired with chemotherapy because any higher stage or higher grade of tumor uh, is treated with a combined modality of surgery followed by chemotherapy. What are the types of chemotherapy that are the mainstay of treatment for ovarian cancer? So uh, chemotherapy uh, typically involves combination therapy. Uh, the most common agents utilized are taxanes, and platinum agents. With regards to the chemotherapy, are there any new routes of delivering this form of treatment? So uh, for patients who are optimally debulked and have their disease confined to the abdominal cavity or peritoneal cavity, uh, a combination of both intravenous and intraperitoneal chemotherapy, so delivering through a catheter right into the peritoneal cavity is recommended uh, for those patients. Can you speak about the surgery? You know, we typically think of cancer surgery as being a big zipper incision from xiphoid proxis to um, the pelvic bone. Is that the case, or is there now more advanced forms of minimally invasive surgery that can be applied towards ovarian cancer? For epithelial ovarian cancer, uh, typically we do, uh, especially if it's advanced, do go with a traditional large uh, midline vertical incision. And that is because we need to assess both the pelvis and the upper abdominal cavity where uh, the disease can implant. And uh, it's really important with this disease because even in apparent early stage, um, up to 30% of patients may have a more advanced stage. So uh, minimally invasive procedures uh, can be utilized uh, for apparent early stage, but really it should be in the hands of someone who can adequately uh, assess all recesses of the abdominal cavity and can perform a, a total omentectomy uh, and pelvic and parotid lymphadenectomy by that route. Um, but traditionally, especially with uh, so many presenting in advanced stages, we would perform a midline vertical 
uh, laparotomy incision um, and then proceed with uh, cytoreductive surgery. So aspiration of ascites or a peritoneal lavage, followed by hysterectomy and bilateral salpingoophorectomy. Um, all the involved omentum would be removed. We would perform bilateral pelvic and parotid lymph node dissection. And then uh, especially removing any suspicious or enlarged nodes. And then any procedures um, that would lead towards an optimal surgical cytoreduction. So this could include radical pelvic dissection, a bowel resection, diaphragm or other peritoneal surface dripping, splenectomy. So the procedure list can go on and on depending on the distribution of disease. Let's move on to genetics. Um, recently in the media, there was a lot of talk about Angelina Jolie and her genetic testing um, for um, uh, breast cancer, and then discussion about the different surgeries that she chose to um, undertake as a result of genetic testing. Are there any new guidelines for genetic testing with regards to um, ovarian cancer? Yes, uh, there are. So. Uh, currently, any woman who, and we say ovarian cancer, but really uh, this also includes ovarian, fallopian tube, and primary peritoneal cancer, which are all in the same family and treated uh, similarly. Um, so the, the rate of having a hereditary risk uh, is approximately 15%. So for women diagnosed with ovarian, fallopian tube, or primary peritoneal uh, cancer, up to 15% of those patients will have a genetic predisposition. So uh, currently the guidelines are to uh, refer all women for genetic testing. Uh, the majority of uh, the hereditary um, predispositions are uh, the BRCA1 or BRCA2 mutation that we find. Which one of those are linked also to breast cancer? Both BRCA1 and 2 are hereditary breast and ovarian cancer. Thank you for that explanation. Are there any new targeted therapies um, to treat ovarian cancer? Yes, there are. And these include uh, several agents and different types of agents. Um, Really, the taxanes came out, were developed um, in the 80s and introduced through the 90s, 1990s. Um, and since then, uh, we've really been trying to improve upon uh, survival and improve upon our cure rate, uh, particularly for advanced disease. Um, one new agent is bevacizumab which is a monoclonal antibody directed against the vascular endothelial growth factor, or VEGF, V-E-G-F. So that, in studies, has been shown when delivered with other chemotherapy agents to improve survival. There are two trials in particular, uh, the Aurelia trial, which combined bevacizumab with liposomal doxorubicin, paclitaxel, or Topotecan versus the chemotherapy alone, and it showed an impro improved progression-free survival. And then the OCEANS trial, which paired um, carboplatin and gemcitabine with or without bevacizumab, 
and those patients um, had an, also had an increased um, progression-free survival. Are there any other targeted therapies that are even coming up? Yeah, so PARP inhibitors have also recently been FDA approved uh, for treatment of uh, ovarian cancer. And PARP is poly-ADP ribose polymerase, uh, and it's a family of proteins that are critical for the function of uh, one form of DNA repair. And so PARP inhibitors interfere with uh, the base excision repair and thus DNA repair in general. So tumors are more genomic, genomically instable, and so PARP inhibitors do have a selectivity for tumor cells over normal cells. And uh, one of the PARP inhibitors that has been approved for treatment in the recurrent setting is Olaparib. Are there any immunotherapy trials? There are immunotherapy trials, and uh, currently, uh, to my knowledge, there is uh, no immunotherapy uh, that is being used as, you know, routine treatment or standard of care, but several centers do have uh, various immunotherapy trials uh, targeting ovarian cancer as well. Okay. Dr. Reynolds, are there any final thoughts on even statistics on ovarian cancer with regards to um, diagnosis, prognosis, or even mortality? Are there any disparities that are out there in the United States um, in the general population? Well, one take-home message that I would leave is that um, ovarian cancer, although it is the deadliest of GYN malignancies, it is very treatable, uh, meaning with a combination of surgery and chemotherapy, um, even though the majority of women will experience a recurrence uh, and that we can't cure the majority of patients with advanced disease, um, we are making gains in improving survival, particularly if they have maximal surgical effort up front. And um, if they are put on optimal uh, standard of care treatment, of course, you know, patients that are treated according to guidelines do much better uh, than those who don't receive, receive the standard of care guideline treatment. Do you foresee anything coming up in new research with regards to ovarian cancer? Well, I think um, what we are uh, as a society are continually trying to improve upon um, are these adjuvant therapies. Um, you know, surgery is just half of the story. Um, as I said, most patients will need uh, adjuvant chemotherapy afterwards. And we're always trying to determine, you know, what agents are the best, how should they be delivered, um, even with IV therapy, um, traditionally we treated uh, with taxanes and platinum agents just one large dose every three weeks, um, but we kind of extrapolated from breast cancer data where they use dose-dense dose taxanes uh, and deliver those uh, on a weekly basis, and that um, was studied in actually the Japanese gynecologic oncology group uh, and that was adopted um, also in the U.S., where we can treat weekly with weekly taxol therapy 
um, or weekly paclitaxel, sorry, that's the generic name. So we can treat weekly with weekly paclitaxel therapy, uh, and that has been shown in improved uh, survival over giving it every three weeks. So um, we really strive to get the best combination of therapies, um, develop, and as well as developing new therapies to really try to beat these. Uh, beat this disease, and make more gains in survival. Many thanks to our guest, Dr. Evelyn Reynolds, for joining us today and discussing updates on ovarian cancer issues among women in the United States. Dr. Reynolds, thank you so much for being a guest on ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen. To download this podcast and others in this series, please visit ReachMD.com. We encourage you to like, share, and comment on this episode. Thank you for listening to ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.